Alrighty. So we're in our third week of a series uh, in the lead up to Pentecost uh, on the book of, or not just the book of Joshua, but the life of Joshua. But today we've actually reached the book of Joshua. Uh, and so we are skipping a few chapters ahead. Cam's going to go back to chapter one next week and then three and four. But uh, today we're in six and seven. Um, if you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, well, I've done a, basically a run through the early life of Joshua and how he was formed. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, uh, the first five books of the Bible written by Moses, are a, a lot of it's about Moses, and the last three really is Moses was the leader of the Israelites, journeying the, uh, the people of God out of slavery in Egypt, and God called them to enter the promised land. But Moses never got there because of a whole range of things that happened with his people, the people being disobedient. And so eventually, uh, the reins were handed over to Joshua, and that's where we hit the book of Joshua. So this is a few chapters later after they entered the promised land, or when they do, and uh, Damon's going to read from that for us. Yeah, okay, it's on. All good. Uh, I'm reading from Joshua 6, uh, verse 20, 22 to 25. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, they raised a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So the people charged straight ahead into the city and captured it. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house, and bring the woman out of it, and all who belong to her, as you, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought Rahab out, along with her father, her mother, her brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought all her kindred out and set them, aside, set them outside the camp of Israel. They burned down the city and everything in it, only silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her, Joshua spared. Her family has lived in Israel ever since. For she hid the messenger whom Joshua sent to spy out in out Jericho. Joshua 7, verses 1 to 10. The sin of Achan and its punishment. But the Israelites broke faith in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Kami, and Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe Judah, took some time, uh, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against all of the Israelites. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, where near Beth, oh my goodness, which um, <laughs> near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, "Go up and spy out the land." And then the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua and said to him, "Not all the people need to go up. About two or three thousand men should go up and attack Ai. Since they are few, do not make up the whole people toil up there." I need to read that again. Uh, Since they are so few, do not make the whole people toil up there. So about 3,000 of the people went up there, and they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai killed about 36 of them, chasing them from outside the gate as far as Shebarim, and killing them on the slope. The hearts of the people melted and turned to water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the ground, on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put their dust. And he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, "Ah, Lord God, 
Why have you brought these, this people across Jordan at all? To hand us over to the Amorites, so to destroy us? Would that we had been content to settle beyond the Jordan? O Lord, what can I say now? That Israel has turned their backs to their, their enemies. The Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do? <laughs> then what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. Why have you fallen upon your face? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Damon. So it's a really interesting comparison of a success in obedience to God and then a failure um, in the next step and reflecting on well, what, what happened. Our preacher for today is not here. Uh, he's not 100% well. Um, so Samuel has recorded for us this morning. Um, if you haven't met Samuel, Samuel is... Um, uh, you, you probably have, have at least seen him up here. Samuel was... Um, uh, a minister in training with the Uniting Church and is placed here this year. Um, I get the privilege of being his supervisor, but um, I really encourage you to get to know Samuel, chat to him on Sundays. Um, I am learning more from him than he is learning from me. That is an absolute given. Um, he is a faithful, humble man of God, and um, it's just such a privilege to have him as part of this community, even if it's just for this year. Um, who knows, we might be able to keep him for longer, but we'll see. Um, so Samuel uh, has recorded for us this morning, and I know that it's, it's, it's not that great when we have it on video, but you know what? Um, we said from the beginning that rather than having to prepare two sermons every week, so there's always a backup during this pandemic with technology these days, whenever it happens, um, we'll have the person record and, um, and then uh, we'll watch it on a Sunday. I just thought it would be me. just happens to be Samuel, who was the first one who this happened to. So uh, let's pray that God would open our hearts uh, this morning as we receive uh, what he has to share with us. Father, I just thank you that uh, this morning we get to hear um, Samuel unpack this word, and we pray that his words, uh, what you have shared through him, would speak uh, directly into our hearts, that you would challenge, comfort, convict us, that you would open our minds, our ears, and our hearts to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name. Glory be to God. This is the day the Lord has made, and we choose to be glad and rejoice in it. We thank the Lord for another day. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, may the meditation of my heart and the words of my reflection be acceptable to you, loving God. It is our prayer this morning that may our heart and mind listen to your word and we call upon your precious spirit to empower us and make this your precious word more meaningful to us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For the past two weeks, we have been looking at the book of Joshua. And Luke has taken us from the book of Numbers, even back to Exodus, to look at how Joshua journeyed alongside with Moses. And I think it's very, very necessary for us to um, look at this, that the book of Deuteronomy can never be fulfilled had it not been the book of Joshua. 
because the promise ended with Moses in Deuteronomy, but the fulfillment of it was really in the book of Joshua, where the Israelites moved on to the promised land. Therefore, most or some theologians believe that instead of classifying the first book of Moses as Pentateuch, because even though in Deuteronomy we see that Israelites moving as a promise to where they were going, but the fulfillment of where they really ended and their life in the promised land was really in the book of Joshua. So some believe that it is very, very necessary for us to add the book of Joshua to the Pentateuch in that sense. If we add the book of Joshua to the to the five books, it will not be Pentateuch. It should be Hexateuch. And I think it's interesting for us to at least see the relevance of the book as we are journeying through in that perspective. And Joshua, as a boy, was born in Egypt. He was part of the beginning of their journey. As a boy, he witnessed how God has been faithful to them. He witnessed the Passover. He knew they were in, in, in servitude. They were slaves in Egypt. And how God miraculously took them out of, of Egypt. It wasn't just an accident. He saw the hand of God moving alongside with him. He was part of the history of his people. And I think it's something unique for us as a people of God. Sometimes to know our history, to know where God started with us and where God is taking us to as a church. I'm very, very happy that we, we know the history of our congregation. For the past 20 years, we have been together as a people. People who, had, who have been discipled and we have agreed to disciple others. People who have been called. People who, who have decided to journey alongside with people. To nurture people's spirituality to help people to grow their faith. This is the history. Joshua knew his history. Joshua came from the tribe of Israel called Ephraim. So he is an Ephraimite. And he spent 20 years of his time in Egypt, the first 20 years, and the 40 years in wilderness alongside with Moses, and 50 years on the promised land. So it presupposes that God used the first 60 years of Joshua's life, one as an enslaved person in Egypt and also an assistant to Moses. So the first 60 years, God used that to prepare Joshua for what lies ahead of him. Very interestingly, I think from our previous studies that Luke took us through, we realized that Moses sent 12 people to a land. And among the 12, 
Joshua and Caleb were part of them. And the report afterwards, it was only Joshua and Caleb who really motivated Moses, convinced the people, went for that battle and victory was given. Caleb, also from a tribe of Judah, he is also Judahite. So, Joshua's journey with Moses, he was able to learn something from Moses. I'm just using this first battle, this illustration to show how Moses took his people through to a battle. And as a result of that, every time this process is taken, there is an assurance of victory, of which I think Joshua learned from Moses. One, from this strategy, Moses always seek the face of Yahweh. He prayed to Yahweh to seek the direction from Yahweh, what really Yahweh wanted them to do. Then afterwards, he sent people to go and spy the land. Then the third one, upon the feedback they received from the people, the spies, then fourth they take an action. And when that action is taken, success is given. And I think it's very remarkable for us to understand that <clears throat> Joshua was with Moses. He saw how God was with Moses. He saw how faithful God has been with Moses. Yes, though, it seems to me that he wasn't still that strong guy we have been told he is. A picture of which is seen in the chapter one of his book, God assuring him not to be afraid, not to be afraid. And this is said almost like four times in chapter one alone, telling me that Joshua might have been more afraid than what has been written because God keep assuring Joshua not to be afraid. But one thing that we should know is that we should know about Joshua is that Yahweh assured him four times not to be afraid. An indication that God was with Moses. As he was with Moses, he was going to be with Joshua as well. And I want us to really also have this in mind that he did not shrink back in fear. He didn't allow obstacles to prevent him from going forward as a child of Yahweh. And from today's reading, we, two, we have two different battles that God, through Joshua, led his people through. The first one was the battle that they won in Jericho. Where spies, he took the same strategy, the same plan that God really showed Moses. He seek the face of divine. He prayed to Yahweh. He sent spies to go to scout the land. He had a feedback from the spies and went and the battle in Jericho was won. This was the strategy that God gave to Moses. 
And through his journey with Moses, realized that this is the strategy that works. So he stick to that strategy. And when they went for that battle, they won. It was really a really a, a battle that was totally won by the Israelites. But on the flip side of it, there, there is a story within that chapter that I think worth reflecting on. Rahab was a prostitute. But when the spies went to the land, the spies gave a promise to Rahab. And as a result of that, Rahab and his family and her family were saved. And I wonder because Rahab's decision to have revealed and protected the spies was a very serious one. Because if the nation discovered that Rahab has really accommodated the spies, this is tantamount to treason, meaning that she has really betrayed the country and she will be killed. But she took a firm decision knowing where and knowing who, who, who these guys have, are, are following. She knew the God, the Yahweh, the Yahweh of Israelites. He knew the God of Israelites. So she took a decision. <clears throat> an outsider, a Rahab, is an outsider, a prostitute. And he was saved. The whole household was saved. I sometimes wonder myself. What decisions have I personally taken or what risk have I really taken that will lead the Holy Spirit to bring salvation to my household? What decision have I taken prayerfully that will lead the whole of my family to see the hand of God? Beloved, on the contrary, there was another story, another battle in the, the following chapter, chapter 7, where the same strategy was taken. They sorted the face of Yahweh, they went to the battle, and they failed. And they failed. And I would have asked a question, God. Is it not the same God that we pray to? Is it not the same strategy we used? Is it not the same people that we used for the battle? But God, why have we failed? And in fact, it was one of the battles that the spies seems to have been very positive of victory. They gave 100% assurance that they are going to win. And to the extent that they even told the people not to go with the whole army because 
from their observation, victory is very, very going to be 100%. They shouldn't be aware. They shouldn't be worried about anything. They shouldn't be worried about whatever they are going to do because from what they are capable of doing, victory is assured. But beloved, they went into this battle and they failed. They were beaten and they were chased out of the city. Here, Joshua prayed, but they failed. But one thing that I want us to understand is that within these two batteries, we see one battle with the same strategy, but they failed. And another battle with the same strategy, but they win. We have an adage in Africa, Ghana to be specific, which says when you are pulling a rope from one side and it is not coming, it is an indication that the, the other side of the rope is tied up to the other end. So for that rope to be pulled, you need to move from the, to the other side to cut the rope so that it will make it more easier for you to pull it. At this particular instant, it wasn't God. God was it in that battle. Joshua had a choice to accuse God, but rather he prayed to God to inquire from God what went wrong. And one thing is that God gave them the direction. God gave them direction. They obeyed and they went back and victory was theirs. In fact, Within this two battles, the other one you see a Rahab, a prostitute, leading the Israelites to victory. And the other one you see Achan leading the people to a defeat. Achan is a mirror, complete mirror of Rahab, an outsider, a woman, a prostitute contributing to the success of God's people and an insider from the tribe of Judah, the same tribe as Caleb, a patriarch and a man contributing to their failure. And this uphold to the deuteronomistic belief that when we obey, God will always lead as to success. But the story of Jesus Christ and his resurrection has turned the whole thing upside down. God, it's just by grace. It's just by grace. The grace, his grace is always sufficient for us. But I just want us to reflect on these things that God uses Rahab, an outsider, to bring victory. An outsider to bring victory. It's an indication that God can use any of us for anything that we make ourselves available. God uses people who avail themselves and are willing to take risks even when the light seems dim. You don't have to be 100%. You don't have to have everything. 
God can use us. All what he wants us from us is our availability. God is faithful to his promise. He promised that to Abraham and it was fulfilled. Moses, just like Jesus, delivered us from bondage and slavery of sin. And like Joshua, Jesus will bring us to the internal promise. And I don't know what sometimes tend to hinder what you can do. And I don't know what sometimes prevents you from seeing yourself as capable. The source of Joshua's faith in uncertainty is Yahweh. And I have an image which I really want us to look at. There are these cats in the mirror, but in head reflection, it doesn't see itself as a cat, but a lion. In the mirror of God's word, in the mirror of God's promises, in the mirror of God's assurances to you, do you see yourself as a cat or as a lion? I'm not suggesting to portray cats as inferior. Notwithstanding, lion and cat are all cats. But among the cats, we have the one which is more powerful than the other. But even when we, we physically see ourselves very small, within the mirror of God's word, we don't see ourselves as just an ordinary being. Cat's family, among the cat's family, for me, I think lion is the strongest. And we, among the being, God is our supreme being. Therefore, whenever I see myself through God's word, I don't see myself as me with weaknesses that can hinder me, but within me, within me, the power of God that the Holy Spirit can work through. I'm not a cat, I'm a lion. Think about this. In the same way in our discipleship, I think God goes before us and we are just to be obedient to God. I suggest we humbly pray to know God's will and direction in our discernment whenever we come to God in our discipleship. 
We need to trust in the Holy Spirit that transformation comes from God. But we have a choice to either act in faith or be puzzled in uncertainty. Joshua knew the battle is the Lord's. Even when he failed, with all the faith that he has, he failed. He went back to God and victory was assured. It's never wrong for us to fail. Failure is part of our journey. But in our failure, God teaches us something for us to move to the next level in our journey. I want to encourage all of us that we have to make a decision that the word of God will be our leader. The word of God will lead us in everything that we have decided to do as a church, as a congregation. It is the word. And if God used Rahab, an outsider to lead the battle. God can use anyone who make him or herself available. It is my prayer that the Holy Spirit will give us more meaning to whatever journey we find ourselves. It is my prayer that the Holy Spirit will use whatever we have. We may fail from the beginning, we may succeed from the beginning, but irrespective of what we anticipate, God has given us what it takes for victory. And let's keep this in our mind. We only have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. The word of God, which God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ, we have to be obedient to it. And I encourage you, and I would like to challenge you this morning, that as you move from here, may the power of the Holy Spirit rest in you and empower you. See yourself as a cat. As a lion, a lion, shall we pray? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for your word. Guide us to be true to your word and empower us to know your direction. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While the music team's coming up, I'll just share briefly. I, I've been so challenged by that because Samuel shared with me that he was, he was going to speak on 6 and 7 and you've got 6 where they, they win the battle and then 7, Achan sins and they lose. And it sounds simple. We do what God wants and he'll bless us and do, don't do what God wants and he won't. But it's not, it's not just that, that. It's so easy to turn that into religion where you, you, you be good and God will be happy and you be bad and God won't. 
Um, and yet, as Samuel so beautifully put it, you know, Jesus Christ turned that whole thing upside down. And so you have a, a woman who clearly had not honoured God in much of her life, um, and yet was willing to use her to lead the Israelites um, into the promised land. And then someone who'd grown up an Israelite and his brothers, uh, what were their names? Kami and Zerah and Agan. And, and things, they made a mistake. But God was willing to go, you know what, you failed, but that's not the end of the journey. So there's grace there too. And so, Father, I just want to ask that as we worship you now, that you would call us into faithfulness, but not faithfulness to you and obedience to you, so that we would please you and make you happy so you'd bless us, but faithfulness to you as a response to your love for us and your faithfulness to us. Because you... Never let us down, God. You never let us down. So may we take risks as we seek one thing, and that is to obey you in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name.